0: So welcome to the Expert Edge. Uh, today's going to be really special. I've got a good friend, uh, someone who you may be familiar with, but I trust from our interview today, you're going to get to know her in a totally new and fresh, exciting light. Her name's Amy Porterfield. And uh, Amy Porterfield, if you don't know her, is pretty much the most successful online course creator in the world right now. She's exceptional. She's exceptional. And uh, even more than just a business owner, she's a really amazing, generous, integrate human being. And in today's conversation, uh, we really go deep into her journey. And as always on the Expert Edge, I always love to bring on people who I really respect in terms of how they live their life, how they run their business, uh, and just how they bring contribution to the world. Now, if you've listened to Amy's podcast, Online Marketing Made Easy, or maybe you've done one of her courses, like Digital Course Academy, she's got a few other courses as well. You know that her content, her, the stuff that she contributes to the world, is exceptional. And I wanted to bring something a little bit unique to today's conversation. So, really, in this session, uh, with Amy, we really unpack some of the biggest mistakes that she's made because you'll see, I mean, you've probably seen her, watched her. She's got a lot of success, but behind every success is a whole bunch of mistakes that that person has learned from. And one thing that I really look up to with Amy around is her leadership and her ability to make courageous decisions despite the fear that she might feel. And I I trust that you'll notice in this conversation that she's a real human being. You know, she's not superhuman, uh, but she's chosen to put courage and her message before her fears. And you're going to really start to notice that in this conversation here. And so really, I want you to be looking into her thinking and her philosophy that has enabled her to create success she's had. We dive deep into some um, exponential decisions that she's made. In other words, some tipping point moments where what were those decisions and points where after that, it really accelerated her growth. We also dive deep into some of her kind of hilarious moments uh, in business and some of the, the big mistakes that she's made around those. And then we talk about uh, the future of the online course industry and really what you need to be focusing on if you want to uh, build successful, profitable digital courses. Now, all of her details and so forth are in the show notes, and it's a pleasure to have my good friend, Amy Porterfield, on here. So let's, uh, let's get into it.
1: You are listening to the Expert Edge Podcast. This is the place where experts come to command the stage, position themselves as authorities, and scale their business up. Get ready to access your next level of potential with your host, Colin Boyd.
0: Amy Porterfield, it's great to have you here.
2: I am so happy to be here and happy to chat with you. It's always fun.
0: So it has been such a pleasure getting to know you because I know that I think we met a couple of years ago in a mastermind. We've been involved in some other masterminds together. But one thing that I love about you is uh, you're someone who is really committed to, you know, providing the best experience for your clients. You're committed to always going to the next level. And like when people get to know you, you're like super real. And I, and I love that. If like whenever we have lunch or whatever, I'm like, so Amy, that's <laughs> so good what you want so, to say
2: is amy you have a sailor's mouth and i didn't know it just <laughs> say it call it i know that's what you want to say my mom's not happy with that it just <laughs> out sometimes i cannot help it
0: <laughs> no i i i just love it i just love it um so uh first thing i want to know first thing i want to before we get into like the super serious questions is what are you watching on netflix at the moment what's coming up for you
2: okay two things number one the crown do you watch it
0: okay so this is the show that my wife is obsessed with because i am watching 60 days in at the moment which is about jail shows and i watch it on my phone and she just just watches the crown non-stop
2: i get it you like it like why do you know that it's real like this this is the real story of what went on behind the scenes it is fascinating. One of the best shows on TV. So I love it, but here's another one. This was a limited series. Uh, the queen's gamut. Have you heard of that one
0: on the chess about chess? Yes.
2: About chess.
0: That is so good. It was so that's, good. That's not a true story, hey?
2: No, I like to think that it was though because yeah. it was so freaking good. And I mean, talk about girl power. Yeah. Um, But I absolutely love that. And those are two shows that my husband Hobie watches with me, which is a big deal because he's a firefighter and he works 24 hours on, 24 hours off. That means like on the nights he's working, I get to watch The Real Housewives and all the Bravo reality shows, which he refuses to watch. So then yeah. I have to watch real shows shows when he comes
0: home. (laughs) What I'm curious, what sort of genres do you like in your movies? Like, are you like true crime or are you like drama? What what are you?
2: True crime and thriller. So I was going to tell you the other shows that I like on Netflix is they just brought back Unsolved Mysteries, which is a show that when I was in high school was a big deal (laughs) and they're bringing it back and remaking it. I've watched all of them. so I love that. (laughs) I do too. I love, love true crime.
0: Okay. So you know watching uh like the love story ones whatever rom-coms yeah i'm not heaps into them right uh but i'll watch them if it's got matt mcconaughey i'll watch it but (laughs) other than that i remember sarah took me to the to the movies and we she took me to see the notebook and i'm like i'm not going to the notebook like i just don't want to go i feel like i'm going to waste my time and then but this is what she said to me she's like it's a true story She goes, it's a true story because I am obsessed with true stories.
2: That is very mean and brilliant of her since we know it's not. You're aware, right? I watch it.
0: (laughs) I turn to her at the end and I go, babe, I cannot believe that's a true story. And you, you can imagine her face, right? She's like- this
2: brilliant. Gonna It's brilliant. I'm going to try not. this with Hobie. <laughs> it's not. But the fact that you believed it was is very sweet. And the fact that she got you to see a rom-com by telling you it's a true story, I'm literally using that. So tell Sarah, thank you. That was a great one.
0: <laughs> That's like the biggest wife hack ever.
2: <laughs> yes. <laughs>
0: That actually is probably a thing. Wife hacks. That would be a good little. That is
2: We need to try that one. We need to start that, that trend.
0: Wife hacks. Oh, love it. Love it. Now you've been in business for how many years now? 11 years. 11 years. Uh, I'm curious to know what have been some when you reflect on them now, uh, because you've seen amazing success, but I would love to know And this is what most people resonate with is some of the, some of the mistakes you've made, some of the, or the dumbest things you've done, or you look back and you're like, I cannot believe that that happened.
2: Yes. I have a few of those. Um, one of the ones that I like still haven't been able to move on from, like, it gets me like it's a little sting. Every time I think about it is early on when I wasn't making tons of money yet everyone kept saying like at tax time, like spend a bunch of money so that you can get this tax write off. Like you gotta spend your money. And so I'm like, oh, holy cow. Like I gotta spend some money. So I spent, I think it was $30,000 to have a bunch of surveys done by this one company to do a bunch of surveys in my business. Now, looking back, I don't know why I thought I should pay $30,000 for that. I probably could have done, learned and done some work on my own, but I paid somebody to do this. And for the record, it never panned out. It could have been my fault, not the right follow-through communication. I don't know what it is, but literally it was not money well spent. And the only reason I spent it so quickly is because I thought I had to save money for taxes like spend it. And so I could do a write-off. It was a very stupid move. I never got out of it what I wanted. And this was like over eight years ago. And I still think about it and I get upset.
0: (laughs) I'm really curious about this advice um, because for me, I've heard this sort of stuff before, but I feel like it comes from like a scarcity mindset of, you know, like avoid paying taxes or avoid paying this. And, And I, and I get about, you know, doing it smart. But I'm curious about this. Wants me to know about how have you developed your thinking around um, just going bigger
1: mm-hmm. and
0: and expanding who you are and your capacity and your abundance, etc.
2: You know, going bigger has been about a theme. It has been a theme in my business for about two or three years now. It's funny. I went to. Uh, Colorado to meet with a woman. Her name is Erin Weed, and she helps people come up with their word, like the word that encompasses who they are or who they want to be, and kind of incorporates that word into all they do in their business. So I went there and we did two days of brainstorming and strategizing and all of this. And at the end, she said, Amy, your word is big. Now, just Side note, I've like battled my weight my entire life. So I looked at her and I was like, that ain't my word. Like, I'm not taking that word. She's like, no, your your word is big. I'm like, no, it's not. Like, I just paid you to give me a word that I don't like. And then she started to explain it more and more. And she's like, over these two days of brainstorming, what I've noticed is that you want to play a bigger game. You feel like you are called to get in there, do something more. Um, You feel that you were made for more. You've got to step it up. You've got to go big. And when she said it like that, I'm like, yeah, I do. And this is about uh, roughly two, three years ago. And so ever since then, I have been playing a bigger game, showing up in a bigger way, having a bigger voice and encouraging my audience to do so. Because in my business, I always say, I always go first. I'll never ask you to do something that I haven't done. I'll test it out. I'll experiment. I'll crash and burn or I'll win. And then I'll tell you what worked and what didn't. So I kind of had to go first and it was really, really scary.
0: You're like, you're a real leader. And, and the, the, it's fascinating because I watch, you know, I watch people in their business journey. And at the start, they're very focused on, you know, marketing and how do I get leads? How do I get clients? But once you start to like dial in your messaging and dial in your marketing, I've noticed that it really becomes about just being a leader because having a tribe, I mean, you have, you know, hundreds of thousands of people who follow you, millions of people who follow you. How do you develop your leadership in yourself? and to really step into that leadership role, to have so many people looking at you and watching you?
2: How do I develop my leadership? Over the years, I think it has been a very conscious effort to say, who am I, who do I serve, and what do I want to stand for? And for many, many years, to be quite honest, I couldn't really answer that. I am a people pleaser to my core. I like to make everybody happy. And so that literally has not served me well in terms of really stepping into what I believe, how I want to serve and who I want to serve. So I've really gone through a huge transformation over the last few years, which is no coincidence that my business has grown exponentially over the last few years. So it's kind of funny that there's a connection between stepping into your own and seeing that revenue grow. But for me... I really want to be true to who I am and know what I stand for. So for me, I know that I like to keep it simple. I like to uh, stay in my lane and focus on just a few things. I don't like a bunch of spinning plates. I believe that if you get really good at one or two things and go all in, you can explode your business. I believe that you should lead with compassion. I believe everyone's fighting a, a fight inside that you know nothing about. So empathy is the key. And so these are things that they are core values in my business, which we got really clear on what those core values are. And then they're literally how I use live my life and how I live in my business. So it was clarity. It was like really writing down, brainstorming, who am I? What do I stand for? What do I want my message to be about? Who do I want to serve? And staying in that lane.
0: Yeah, because I remember when we were having a conversation, even because I was even asking you about, you know, I had a few programs going on. And, and I think I said, you know, I've got this self from stage Academy, that's doing really well. And that was your advice to me. You were like, dude, just go all in on that. Is that your kind of advice on in general to, to people, even when they're starting out? Like, what do you generally say to people when they're starting out? Maybe they're new to the course industry, et cetera. Like, what do you tend to say to people to get that clarity?
2: You know, when I look back at my own experience and a lot of those of my students, this is one thing that you're probably going to learn the hard way, meaning you're going to get to a point in your business, even though I'm going to tell you not to, you're going to get to a point in your business where you have four, five, six spinning plates. You're doing coaching here, a mastermind there. You've got a course, you got a membership, you've got these physical products, and then you're doing this group coaching, and then you're adding this bonus to this other person. And then you've got five open loops that you haven't really finished yet, but you're really excited. Like this is in the mind of an entrepreneur. Uh, the more the better the more creative the better and what happens is you crash and burn you are so tired so overwhelmed so stressed that you're like I can't do all of this and typically that's around the time that you start pulling back and pruning your offers so that you only have a few core ones but if I could get out in front of a few people at least that would trust me and not actually go there what I tell my students is just have one two three core offers at any given time For me, I have three core offers, List Builder Society, Digital Course Academy and Momentum. And you can't even get into my Momentum membership experience without going through Digital Course Academy. So, really, I have two core offers for the public. Anybody can join those programs. And even this year, Colin, I made a huge decision to stop doing just for 2021, and we'll see what happens, to stop doing really big launches for other people. So, like, I had made the decision that I wasn't going to promote B School. Well, we were like 90% there. Like, I think we're going to pull back. This year, and it's something I've done for eight years, and I Mm. love B School, I love Marie Forleo, but I thought the amount of energy I'm putting into that, I could put it into Digital Course Academy, and I can reap the benefits in a bigger way there because it's my own program. But then Marie decided not to have affiliates, and I was like, I'm hearing you, Universe, I'm right there with you, like I get it. So pulling back on even some really profitable things to make room for what I do best, you got to make some hard decisions as well. But sometimes if if, not, sometimes if you just start out with only a few core offers, you won't get in the place like I do. And a lot of my students have been where you have to pull back because you're burned out.
0: Mm. It is so easy to get burned out in this industry as a public figure, Um, especially as you get more public. Isn't it true? Like you just get like opportunities are great, but they they can also destroy your life. (laughs)
2: Oh my goodness. I'm going to get the, I'm going to butcher the quote so I won't even try it. But Warren Buffett has this famous quote that the most successful people say no most of the time. And I, for all of 2020, I said, yes, like I was sitting on a beach with a Mai Tai and had all the time in the world. I just said, yes, yes. And yes to so many things. And then I realized this is exactly what I don't want to be doing. So I do believe uh, there is a lot of not only value, but a courage in saying no.
0: And I, I mean, I was probably about so years ago, I remember watching that shift in you. Mm-hmm. And I think I texted you about like just saying how amazing it was watching you step into that light and showing up for your audience. Um, but firstly, I want to acknowledge that again in you. Like yeah. it's just so cool watching you do that. Um, I'm curious how you make your decisions around what offers to make because you, you've been in the industry for a long time and i know that you're very particular about making an offer i've seen i've seen situations where people are throwing ideas at you and stuff and and you're like smiling but you know like you know got both arms up saying no you know at the same time how do you make those decisions uh, to actually go okay this is my next step
2: so when I make a decision to say, this is my next step, like let's take momentum for an example. I've had uh list builder society and digital course Academy for a few years. Now momentum is the newest thing over the last year. And we made a decision to do momentum specifically because we saw a need with our current audience. We saw a need that they wanted to be in the trenches with us as they launched one time, two times, three times, and there was nothing for them after digital course Academy. And I felt a desire and a need to serve them at a bigger level. And so when I make decisions in the business, it really genuinely first starts with what are my customers asking for? What do they need? And where do I think that they need support? They might even not know it yet, but as the expert, I'm like, oh, they don't realize this, but if they had this tool, this resource, this program, they could make huge leaps in their business. Now, marketing comes in and having to put that messaging out there to market something they might not even know they need yet. That's where the magic of marketing comes in to really hone in on your message that will resonate. But even before them, I'm always looking for those holes or those opportunities to serve my customers in a bigger way. And so that's really how those decisions are made. But when I make a decision like that, the next question I have to ask myself is, do I want to do this in the business? Is this something long-term that I would be committed to? Is it going to... You know, am I going to lose interest in a year or so? And and I'm always looking to do things for usually for the long haul. Very mm-hmm. rarely will you see me put out just an offer and then it just never is offered again. I find that your revenue grows with repetition of sales versus repetition of creating, always creating, always creating. So with, with the repetition of selling means that you do the same thing over and over again. So I learned this way back when with Marie Forleo, where she has launched B-School, I think over 10 years now, we might be on 11 years. Mm -hmm. And so I watched that and I said, I want that kind of business. I want fewer offers, but I want to get really good at them. So Mm -hmm. for me, it's, I've launched Digital Course Academy three times, we'll go on our fourth time in this new year. I love that. That doesn't make me feel bored. I don't need more variety. I'm always finding ways to launch bigger. We added like three new strategies to our last launch, it was the third time we had launched that. I love that, getting better at one thing.
0: Mm. And, and it's definitely a pattern that I've watched market leaders do. And something that, I mean, for me, us, we really adopted that probably three years ago, which was which was not adding new things and just refining what we're actually good at. Yeah. So um I'm curious about like when you come up against something that doesn't go well. How do you work through that? Like mentally, emotionally?
2: Yeah. Well, I had something really big in my business a few years ago that wasn't going necessarily really well in that I I got into a partnership. I think it was around 2013. It felt like a silent partnership because the guy I was in partnership with, he was really behind the scenes. He was brilliant, like Mm -hmm. genius in marketing, really sophisticated in the strategies that he wanted to use in the business. And we became partners. I had already had the business I brought him in. And I think it was because I got scared at one point, like maybe I can't do this alone, or maybe this is too hard, or he's really smart. He could really do things that I could never do. So we made this agreement and he came in and not many people know this because he really wasn't at the forefront of the business. I was still the content, the face and all of that. But after a few years i realized this isn't working for me anymore it wasn't a good fit and i can't speak for him uh, but for me it just did something felt off and so we went through about a year of negotiating how we were going to separate it felt like i've never been through a divorce but i'm guessing this is what elements of a divorce felt like i was sad i was confused i was scared all these emotions that were coming up and there was a point that i thought i would lose the business because we couldn't come to an agreement and it, it, there was talk that maybe we have to dissolve this business that i created from scratch hmm. and so there was a moment that i was terrified and then something in me and i think this is where you saw a shift in me this hmm. is truly where my confidence started to soar i thought wait a second i know how to make money online I have created digital courses and sold them successfully. I might lose my business. I might lose my email list. I might even lose my digital courses that are my babies, but I will never lose that knowledge of how to make money online. I could always start from scratch. Will it be easy? No. Do I want to do it? Heck no, but I could. And in that moment, I kind of sat up a little straighter. I felt really confident thinking, whatever's going to happen is going to happen. I'm going to figure this out thank God we came to an understanding together and we were able to negotiate and work through it. And we went our separate ways, but there was that moment that I was really, really scared and then really, really confident I'd figure it out. And so I just, that's when I found my voice. Once the partnership ended, I'm like, all right, I'm doing this alone. So I better figure this out. And that's when I, I really stepped up to the plate and played a bigger game.
0: What, what do you feel like um, was the, the limiting belief in you that you had to work through in that situation?
2: So the limiting belief was when I brought on a partner, I, and beyond thinking and knowing he was a brilliant guy, the limiting belief I had was I can't do it alone or, and quite honestly, I've never really talked about this a bunch, but there was a thought that, well, if I crash and burn, at least I won't do it alone. And, and I bet a lot of entrepreneurs who are doing this alone, they have that feeling like if this doesn't work, it is all on me. And it's really sad. We go there to think if this doesn't work, but there were some dark times that I thought if this all, you know, blows up and doesn't work the business in general, at least it just won't be on me. So that was like my ego and all my fears tied to that. And then that limiting belief thinking I can't do it alone. And then there's a little piece of me that I don't want to get into because this could turn into therapy, but I've always had a dad in my life that was like the rule maker, the big head honcho, like the guy and um, the leader of our family. And so I think that I've had all this, this thought in my head that uh, I needed a, a man to be a part of this. Like I didn't have confidence as a female entrepreneur at the time, but I always like was protected by my dad and thought, well, if I've got a guy in here, he can bring other things to the table. Like it was really kind of messy. I had to go to therapy for all of this. <laughs> Did you want to go down that road? Were you a little scared where I was going? Yeah. We'll no,
0: come. I, I love it,
2: Yeah, it's but, like, but it's
0: real. Therapy. It's real. Like it's, yeah. I mean, this is what people go through. Um, and I think that you know, we've all got our own version of that, of you know, I know even for me, the first main course I released was not the course that I knew I wanted to release mm. because because it was like the safety net course. Yes. And I did it because I knew that if this fails, then at least I won't be a complete failure. Yeah. Isn't and that crazy? Have that you ever something done something like that? Like launch something where you're like, you know, if you like, or I mean, I wonder if how did Digital Course Academy come about? Because I know that that's like, your life's work at the moment and then moving into momentum. But what were some things before it that you released that you were like, I was actually holding back a bit.
2: Oh yeah. I've done that exact same thing. Um, I created courses in the past that I knew were playing it safe, like a Facebook ad course. That was just like a beginner course, even though I could have gotten bigger at the time, but I was just too scared and like, well, I'm just going to put this out there and just see what happens. Whereas just it's easy to play safe with the offers you put out there, the products you create uh, digital course Academy came about because I had two courses out there, courses that convert and webinars that convert. And I put them together to create digital course Academy because I had a fatal flaw with those programs. You take courses that convert. And at the end, you're like, great, I've got a course. What do I do with it? And I'd be like, oh, you have to buy my other program webinars that, nice that convert. Yeah. And some people start with webinars that convert and then they'd be like, um, how do I create a course? I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, you got to buy my other program. And I hated that conversation. It felt really kind of slimy, even though I didn't mean for it to be that way. And I'm glad you brought that up because we have to make some decisions in our business that are really, really scary. Those are two programs that were multimillion dollar programs. They were doing good standing alone. However, my business felt broken because of it. So I had to take these two programs, totally wipe them out, no longer sell them and figure out how to put them together in one program that won't like fully overwhelm everybody. And so I've noticed that When I make really hard decisions like that, whether they work or not, just making the decision has definitely boosted my confidence. Like, all right, I'm going to make a decision. I'm going to figure this out. And if it doesn't work, I'm going to figure something else out.
0: And I love what you were saying before with that. If you lost all the money, you lost the business, you've still got the skill. Yes. And when I think about it, um, that's definitely the belief that I always come back to when I feel like things are, you know rocky or whatever it is and I think that as an entrepreneur that definitely is it's like that's the only thing that you you don't want to lose or you kind of can't lose as long as you've got a brain
2: yeah you can't lose it
0: and a heart like you know you really can't especially in this digital course space yeah so no that's really good I I want to know what's what do you think is the future for this industry like what are some trends what are some even just from a marketing perspective, what do you feel like is, and just this whole expert industry, which is just exploding right now, especially from an online perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Where where do you think this is going and what's it going to look like in the future?
2: Well, for 2020, what we saw, and I've been around for long enough to know like, whoa, this was different. What was really different in 2020 was the amount of people that were open-minded to learning online, to learning digitally. So they started to seek out digital courses in areas that they would never have thought I want to learn from a digital course. I'll, I'll travel, I'll get in my car and go to a cooking class or a wine tasting class or gardening. I'll, I'll, I'll learn that um, maybe even watching HD TV. but I'm not going to buy a digital course about it. And then all of a sudden, we're quarantined, we're sent home, we're furloughed, and people are like, well, now's the time. And so I saw it literally, the digital course consumption skyrocketed in 2020. Now, in addition to that, though, what I also saw and what I saw literally in my business because I help people create courses is more and more experts wanted to take their expertise and learn how to turn that into a digital course. And it came from either... They got sent home from their job and they were working from home realizing, I never want to go back to it, that J-O-B or they were furloughed or they're like, okay, if, if now is not the time, then when? Like, I think, I think the, the pandemic made us all realize what is most important to you, whether it be in your personal life or your business life, what do you want? And a lot of people said, I want more time freedom, lifestyle freedom. Uh, I want more financial freedom. So they started gravitating toward creating membership sites and creating digital courses. So that's what we saw in 2020. When you, when you ask about like what the trends are, what I'm seeing in the future, I see that only getting Uh, more and more like getting a climbing, that interest in learning digitally and Mm -hmm. creating digitally. So I think we're just gonna see more of what we saw in 2020. However, I think people will be more intentional about it. So when I tell my students, look, You have Digital Course Academy, you know how to create a course, get it out into the world, because I promise you there's a lot more course creators coming up right behind you. So I want you in front of your audience now. And why I say that is, I think people are realizing, wait a second, this is working, I see people uh, taking the content in in this way, I've got an expertise, I'm going to teach it that way. So I love that the digital course world is exploding, but I think next year and beyond, people are gonna do it more intentionally. A lot of people did it this year as a pivot, as like, holy cow, I better make some money right now. Yeah. Yeah. Desperation. I think a lot of it came from desperation, Mm. which sometimes slows people down. They get excited and then they kind of burn out. I don't think that's going to happen as much next year. I think there's going to be a lot more intentionality. We're going to see more quality courses and we're going to see way more e-learning. So if you ever were on the sideline thinking, should I get in the game? Yes, my friend, yesterday, like do it now.
0: No, definitely. And I, and I think that, you know, the digital entrepreneur world is like cat dog years, like one year is like 10 years in the digital world. Um, So, I mean, cause we're, I mean, I've been a speaker for like 12 years and then we transitioned to online stuff about probably five years ago. Um, but I feel like a grandfather in the digital me space
2: calling me too. someone. And I'm going to tell you this, not to brag, cause it's cringeworthy, but someone recently called me a legend in online marketing. And all I heard was you are a grandmother in this industry. I was like offended, although I know oh, they, well, meant it. they meant it as, uh, as a compliment, but I'm like, please don't call me that. Like, but yes, you're, you're totally right. You've been in here a few years. It feels like you've been in here forever. Yeah.
0: So true. Um, Tell me about uh, some like some tipping points for you in your business where, I mean, Malcolm Gladwell talks about tipping points. Uh, Tell me about like the journey to a tipping point for you where things really like clicked into a new gear and maybe even like what that, what the decision was in you and what that was about for you.
2: Yeah. So there was a tipping point, and this was actually when I still had a partnership, but it, it was really profound for me. I had a course called, um, uh, oh gosh, why can't I remember? What's the name, Colin? If you know uh, over me, you get, a oh, Profit Lab. I couldn't remember it. I couldn't remember. This is- It was I'm a getting, good one. I'm getting it was old. a good one. <laughs> um, but I had- Profit I Lab. Had, I had a program called the Profit Lab, and it was probably- one of the very few courses that like exploded and did incredibly well and really put me on the map. And when I first sold that, because in true fashion of how I run my business, I launched it many, many, many times. Mm. And when I first sold it, it was for everybody. So everybody who wanted to learn how to market actually was first called Facebook marketing profit lab. So everyone that wanted to learn how to market and put a marketing plan together for Facebook come on in. You are welcome. And what I realized is a lot of people were coming in that had brick and mortars, had physical products. I had zero experience with those two areas. And so one of my tipping points was when I made the decision, wait a second, I have to put a stake in the ground and say, I help uh, people that are creating info products. So if, or coaches, consultants that are helping people one-on-one, or you have a digital course or you have a membership, but I don't help people with a brick and mortar to get more traffic in. I don't help people with physical products and I never will. That's not my area of expertise. I was terrified to say who I helped and who I didn't. I thought I would literally, so we hear it all the time, but I thought I would literally lose all of my business But I also knew when people asked me questions that I I didn't have personal experience with, I hated that feeling and I wanted to feel confident in my programs. So that's when I put a stake in the ground and instantly we saw that the revenue started to climb with my digital courses and i think it was beyond just the messaging i felt more confident so mm-hmm. i got on those webinars and i was like crushing those webinars i was writing email copy that resonated finally like that truly was a turning point for me a hundred percent one more tipping point that happened in the business was when i declared to myself i'm going to be an expert And helping people create digital courses because before I helped people create courses and I did list building. I did Facebook. I did Facebook ads. Um, I had a few different types of offers out Mm -hmm. there. Remember when I said I had to slim it down when I hit that, uh, threshold of too much, but if you ask me, what do I do? Like when I'm at a party and nobody knows me, they'll say, well, what do you do for a living? I say, I help people take their expertise and turn that into a digital course. I don't say I help people with list building, which I do. I don't say people say I help people do webinars, which I do, but ultimately I want to be known for one thing. And that is Mm -hmm. taking your expertise and turning that into a digital course. That was a tipping point for me as well. Because to me, all roads lead to Digital Course Academy. I want as many people who uh, find value in it to get into that one course, Digital Course Academy. So laser vision was a huge tipping point for me as well.
0: So it sounds like it was a combination of it gave you confidence personally, mm-hmm. and then then the, but then you actually could message the marketing more effectively because you knew yes. who you were serving and what you were serving. Yeah. Um, I mean, i Personally, I had the same happen to me and because I know for me, like I had a course called um, Productivity Academy and it was all about helping people be productive. Now, yeah. you do not want to learn productivity from me because <laughs> no, no, no. It was the productivity course built for people who are bad at productivity. Okay, me. cool. But, I like it. But, I, but I, realized, I realized that the reason why it sold so well was because I was so good at selling it. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
2: you lucky duck you are really good at selling i love that i love that but you've helped me sell on stage so i love that about you
0: i appreciate that Tana. but um it's when i decided i i wanted to narrow the focus and this is what i want to hear for you know for the listeners to hear is that i know for me it felt so scary similar to what you were saying of like i feel like i'm going to lose all my customers but when i said i i help people sell on a virtual or a live stage Everything changed, and even when I meet people at, down the road, you know, at the park, and I'm pushing my daughter on the swing and and they say, "Oh, what do you do?" And I oh, I help people sell on stage. And They're like, "What? What do you do? What, what right? is that?" Yeah, and it's like, well, I can either help you or a car, and but it definitely creates this power in yes. what you do, and that's what I'm hearing happened in you, like when oh, you narrowed,
2: hundred percent,
0: yeah, when you narrowed down, so. So good. Now, um, I'm I'm really curious to know, in terms of like finally, uh, like what really drives you? In terms of you know you you've you've built a really successful, highly profitable business. You get to a point where you have enough money to buy a nice bag, and I know you have a nice bag. Sorry about lunch. Um, you know you you get a, you get enough money to buy a nice house and all that sort of stuff. And so there has to be something more. Like what what is it that gets you up and to face the fears every day?
2: Yes, I have to admit there's a lot of fear. I'm a worrier yeah. by nature. And so I get scared of so many things that come my way, especially as I get more successful. It feels like it feels heavier. So I love that you you mentioned that, but w- why do I do what I do? And, and the true answer is when I think about I help women and men entrepreneurs but most of my audience is female entrepreneurs. When I know there's a woman in a cubicle right now in a 9 to 5 job and she's in this cubicle and she's knows that she's made for more. She does not like her job. She's hit that glass ceiling of as much money as she's going to make and she literally wants to come out of her skin but doesn't know what to do and doesn't have the confidence to know that there's so much more that she could be her own boss, she could create her own courses, she could build a business. I think of her every single day so my messaging especially in the beginning of my funnels is to her like knock 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 i have a message for you you've got to pay attention and i look for her online through my ads through my podcast through everything that we do i want her to know that there's a whole nother world out there and quite honestly, that was me, I was her. And so I know what it feels like to know you're made. And, and this is, sounds very egotistical. Some days, not all days, some days I believe I was made for greatness and I want her to feel that as well. And I don't think she does yet. So I'm hoping that my message gets to her so that she can realize that. And that is literally why I do what I do.
0: Yeah, I love that. I love that. Um, it's the end of your life. People are standing around talking about Amy Porterfield, your friends, your family, maybe some clients. What, what do you hope that at the end of your life that they would say about you?
2: When I think of my friends and my family and my clients all together, if they said, Amy made me feel special. I don't know why you just, I don't know. Are we having an Oprah moment? That makes me want to cry, but um, Amy made me feel special. And if, if people were to say that about me, I feel like I did what I wanted to do because I think that there's so much fear and, um, self-sabotage out there and a lot of what we do is specifically. And so if I can be that person to say, no, you've got this, you have it in you, you are special. I think that's what they need to hear. So, and I hope my husband feels that way as well. <laughs>
0: Good old Holmes.
2: Yeah, a little Hobie. I hope he feels that way too. <laughs>
0: I'm sure he does. I'm sure he does. Amy, you're an amazing person. Uh, I appreciate you being in my life and in so many millions of people's lives. Um, I know that you are making a massive difference in people's lives and uh, I appreciate you coming on here. So where where is the best place for them to get in contact with you? Uh, what's the best place to go?
2: Well, thank you so much. And Colin, I adore you. We've been friends for so long and you've helped me immensely with, like I said, selling on stage. So I really appreciate that and I appreciate you having me here. And I have a podcast called Online Marketing Made Easy. So if you like podcasts and you like the stuff that Colin talks about, you might like my stuff as well. So Online Marketing Made
0: Easy. You definitely will. So definitely go and check out Amy's Online Marketing Made Easy Hey, if you found this helpful, please subscribe, leave a comment. What's been most helpful? I'd love to hear a review and uh, appreciate you listening. We'll be back next week for the Expert Edge. Thanks guys.
1: Why is it so hard to know what content to include in your speeches and webinars? Knowing which ideas to keep in and what to leave out is the difference between just getting claps or signing clients. If you're really serious about making your content highly persuasive, make sure to download the Persuasive Content Builder while it's still available. Go to www.persuasivecontentbuilder.com and get your step-by-step formula for designing and delivering content that connects with your audience and moves them to join your programs. Until then, we look forward to seeing you on the next episode of The Expert Edge.